truly at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 256 of Dogcast Radio. All episodes available at dogcastradio.com. This time we're all about keeping healthy, mentally and physically. Wherever you are in the world listening to this, you can access the services and support both today's guests offer. Later, we'll be hearing from holistic animal practitioner and animal communicator, Lisa Tully. I look at the whole being. I don't just identify if there's a specific problem going on with the dog and focus on that, like say a physical condition. I'll also look at the mental, emotional and spiritual parts to the problem as well. But first, we have Steph Evans, who is passionate about helping people and their dogs keep fit together and have fun while they're doing it. You have, well, to me, you have a very interesting life because you part time you you lecture in animal therapy. So tell me what's what's animal therapy that you lecture in? It's a bit different. And usually people have no idea what it is. So I imagine you've heard of physiotherapy. Yeah. For yourself, generally, people have been or known somebody who've gone. So like, I don't know, maybe they've broken their arm or something like that and had to be rehabbed. And then it's like that. But for animals, wow! Um, so it's very, very different. And um, so it's just kind of rehabilitating your animal back to health, or maybe it can be kind of keeping them in top condition if you like competing at high levels. And really, it's just keeping them happy and healthy for as long as possible. So that's what I teach in, um, which I love and I'm obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. That's the trick, isn't it? Find a job that actually motivates you and inspires you and you... Definitely. Yeah. Originally, I was like, I really want to be a vet, and then I this very it's like very ten minutes, do 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 once the next. Whereas with kind of the therapy side, it's continuation. I see people regularly. I really know them and their dog, and I love it. It's yeah. great. I, people, it feels like I have my friends come over. I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that because I know Jenny at one point wanted to be a vet. And then she went and did a week's work experience at a vet and she sort of came home going, I don't think I want to be a vet because exactly what you said, she wanted the hands on and the relationship and the to actually have meaningful interactions. I'm not saying yeah. a, vet's, a, a vet's interactions are very oh, no, meaningful yeah. in a different way, in a different way, you know, for different the health of animals. But from the vet's point of view, as you say, it's like 10 minutes here, bang, off you go. It's that like boom, boom, boom. It's very yes. conveyor belt. And when yeah. I went to a vet, so I remember, I so I did, did lots of work experience. And I remember asking this vet, I was like, oh, do you have time for a horse? Because I was like, I really want a horse. And they were like, I don't have time for a boyfriend, Steph. And I was oh. like, oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's when like, yeah. 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 But they're so busy. I, I don't envy them. They have a really yes. difficult job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to any vets listening. Um, and I, I think we all need to keep that in mind that when we go, because, you know, life is stressful for us all. But I can be quite a fly off the handle, difficult person. I'll acknowledge that now. That anybody that knows me now is, is nodding and going, yes, I know you can. But I always try really hard to be nice to the vet. Um, yeah. Probably nicer than to the doctor, actually. But, you know, it, because I, I feel so sorry for them because it is a high pressure job. There's so much riding on it and, and so many pressures and, and it, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I know that the vet's feel that stress so yes big big shout out to them and you're part of that that um, you know support staff with, with the, yes the veterinary team yeah definitely definitely so that's what you're lecturing and then the other half of your time you you have your own physiotherapy business don't you yeah I actually practically do stuff as well so that's what I really like because sometimes I think if you teach I, I basically I bring in what I see in practice yeah. into my teaching so like 
the exams where we write case studies and stuff I just write basically what I've seen in practice (laughs) which is great and I think the students quite like it and but yeah so I see so I started off as a chartered physio so in people um, and then I did my master's in vet physio so I do a bit of a combination but I am very heavy on the dogs I absolutely love it but then I niche down even further I just keep niching honestly as I keep going on (laughs) and now I do exercising for people and their dogs so I run like exercise classes and I get people exercising with their dogs and it's good for both of them at the same yeah, time excellent that's really I'm good obsessed with I have to say yeah, yeah but that's what we need because the thing is I mean don't they say if, if your dog is overweight you're not getting enough exercise you know kind of yeah. thing and that's I I will admit I can our dogs we've always managed to keep slim I can't do the same for myself. I'm hopeless for myself. I need an owner who, you know, or, or an advocate or whatever you want to work, whatever word you want to use. I need an owner who can say, no, look, this is the food that's good for you. This is what you need. Not that. Exactly. Um, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. And it's the way, what's my um, clients who kind of come to my classes, they're like, it's like exercising by stealth. Yes. They don't realise they're doing it because they end up, I don't know, doing a squat for ages because they're trying to get their dog to step up on this step and they're down there for like, <laughs> four minutes like come on yes and then they're like at the time they don't notice it but the amount of texts they get the next day like oh god I'm like my legs are on fire Steph I didn't <laughs> even realize it but it's great because you like my slogan is feel energized have fun and get fit with your dog I just want people to have fun that's yeah. literally the whole point yeah and yeah it's so boring going to the gym sometimes yes Oh, different. do you know, I, I've never actually been. I've, I've seen a gym and it looked like the seventh level of hell. I saw it from the outside. Yes, yes. It was perpetual motion and I thought, I don't like that. I've seen, I've, to be honest, I've only seen it because it's near the McDonald's franchise that we go to. So. <laughs> you see it in the queue. Yes, honestly, that is actually true. <laughs> That's sad, but it's true. Um <laughs> Maybe that's TMI. But anyway, moving swiftly along. I can remember that when I did agility with Buddy, Mm. we we weren't very good at agility, either of us. Buddy was better than me. But we we did some agility. And I I actually, that was some physical exercise that I actually enjoyed, like exactly like you say. Part of it was that I was there being a team with my dog. He was, he didn't really want to do the course that was laid out but he did want yeah. to have fun with it so he was having some fun with it um and I would come away that, that was a real mental and physical stimulation but I would come away absolutely shattered but so happy yeah. and I, I can remember thinking this is how people must feel after the gym which I've never experienced but it is that high isn't it that's lovely so I can really imagine that people get so much from it so what kind of classes what kind of activities do they actually do with you then So it's very much strength and conditioning. So we do have some people who kind of do agility. It's like, you know, with any kind of Olympian sports person, maybe not even Olympian, any sports person, they should really be doing some strength and conditioning along the side so that they're fitter and stronger and they can actually do the sport better. So it kind of complements anything. But it's kind of like squat, stepping up, stepping down. And we've got things called cavaletti, like little poles, little dog jumps. Yeah. And stepping over them. Honestly, like anything, I think I can make a new exercise each week. I just sit there with a pen and paper and I draw stick men and stick dogs. <laughs> oh. 
Um, that, that's it's, so good because that's again mental stimulation for the people and the and the dogs, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah, exactly. So I change it up. We do circuits. We have it to music as well, so that's fun. And um, so we generally do an exercise per song. So people love it when it's oh yeah, this song's only two and a half minutes, and then you put on an ABBA one, and I'm like, this one's five minutes. And I'm like, Steph, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but the music's good, so get on with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, lovely. And that's apparently, and again, not that I, I know that much, but I've interviewed, it's actually Lee, Lee Gibson I was, it was interviewing. But he was saying the backup, that sort of, not just the your performance in the agility ring, but the backup that you do with them, the conditioning and the strength and, and that kind of thing is really a growing, it's growing in importance, isn't it? Yeah, so we're having a lot more research come out about it now and a lot more kind of understanding from the team so because before people just weren't aware of it like I still have people come and they're like somebody told me to see you for physio for my dog which is a bit strange and I'm like it's okay <laughs> everyone's like this so yeah people are becoming more aware of it and um, insurance is also paying for it quite a oh, lot yeah. if, pe- if, do- if dogs are kind of injured themselves and um, but people are aware that by doing it and doing some strength and conditioning getting the dog actually ready the dog's less likely to have an injury they can stay competing and they can actually achieve a lot better and the main thing is like the dog's healthy happier for longer and the longevity of their career is massive and we know like with people if if kind of we're overweight ourselves then we're more likely to get loads of different kind of diseases stuff like that that's why i bring them both the owner and the dog because we've we struggle in dog population and with human population so trying to keep everyone healthy for us as long as possible that's kind of my aim yes yeah and I think it's a great aim because again if you go to a a human keep fit class sometimes you know if it's too cold or too hot or whatever and the too hot might not be the clock watching yes yeah I don't want to go to (laughs) but with your your dog and if the dog's enjoying it you you're much more motivated to go and actually get out of the armchair and go and do it aren't you yeah, especially because you've got the dog looking at you. And you need to, and this is the thing as well, like people think the only way to exercise your dog is just going for a walk. Then you get bored of going around the same old block and then you have to drive somewhere. And then like in this heat, there's exercises you can do at home, like in the lounge with, where you've got maybe the air, windows open, some aircon on. And it's kind of, and I always find it, and either it's heat or your dog's in heat so you actually can't go out <laughs> yes. my little comedy it's hard to make myself laugh <laughs> um so sometimes you actually can't take your dog out so it's it's stuff it's just giving you a really a, an extra kind of string to your bow isn't it just yeah. okay well, how can i entertain my dog or or we've all been working from home you got five minutes you're like right let's do something yeah yeah absolutely but i was um working on art on on an article recently saying it's not a bad thing to have a day off the walk and do an activity sometimes. And again, you know, dogs vary. It's going to vary from for suitability. But even, you know, your high performance, high energy dogs can benefit from a day off where it's not sort of helter skelter and high impact and get that brain working a bit more. And that's not some physical activity, but, you know, thinking more, motivate that brain. Yeah, because it's, it's actually when we're resting that kind of our muscles regenerate and we like get better so if you went to the gym every day and just did loads of arm day then you would get nowhere your arms would just feel like they'd fallen off <laughs> you need that break for the muscles to basically get bigger and stronger so rest is hugely important and dogs sleep so much yes, yes. <laughs> they they need that they need that rest whenever so i've got a golden retriever teddy yes. and 
bless him he finds like if we go out for the weekend it's quite a lot for him so usually mondays we don't really do much because yeah. he just sleeps for the day <laughs> and i think it's it's recognized learning your dog individually and learning okay they've had enough now they need a rest and i think the rest is just as important as the doing hugely important and yeah. really underestimated yeah yeah because basically they will keep going you know if there's something interesting going on or you had the day out or they will just keep going because all this thing's going on and like you say they'll kind of catch up the next day but sometimes they'll get a bit sort of niggly that day and you think oh you should i should have you know made you have a rest here i should have taken you away from all this stimulation yeah. so yeah it is important and when and when you look at kind of like our labrador retrievers and that our dogs who are like so people pleasing aren't they yes quite often these dogs are in loads of pain and they have like cancer and we don't even realize till later on because bless them they've just wanted to be included and they've they've pushed themselves to stick with you so sometimes by taking that rest you actually learn to recognize okay there's a sign that something's up there and then you can maybe get to the vets before it's like it's a bit late yeah and yeah very morbid but it's it does happen it's in because they're just so loyal dogs yes. are so amazing oh they are they are they are just incredible never i never i never get to the point where i think i've i've learned everything about dogs or they you know something at some point every day i'll go oh my goodness they've done that now or they've you know or a particular dog has shown so much love for their person they just always are inspiring oh, I, so just, i'm uh, obsessed yes i think everybody listening is probably obsessed yeah i should think so <laughs> Yeah. And it's so people come into your classes then. They don't, well, do they have to have been referred or can they come to your classes sort of with a healthy dog that hasn't got any problems yet? My classes are generally for healthy dogs. Yeah. Um, so I require people to have spoken to their vet and gain consent um, just because I like everybody to be on board. Um, and sometimes people are like, yeah, my dog's fine. And then you speak to them like, oh, actually, they had this operation. So the vet said, yes, I know that the dog should actually be fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's for healthy. So it's for people and their dogs who are healthy. And then we just try and extend that healthiness. Um, yeah. And it might be before. Have you heard of prehabilitation? No, no. So you have rehabilitation, which everyone's aware of. Kind of you have an operation and you try to get better. Um, prehabilitation is before maybe you have an operation or something happens. And we try and get people or their dog as strong as possible so that their recovery is much faster. Oh, so if you can get to someone when they're healthy, it works as prehab for if anything comes up later, they are going to recover much faster because yeah. their starting baseline is higher. If you start lower, then it takes much longer to get up and then you have to surpass where you were before. So yeah, it's it's a cool phrase, prehab, yeah, not very well known. Yeah, yeah. And of course, your, your dog can be struck down with something at any point. And it, not life-threatening necessarily, but when Star, we had a bichon freeze, when she was three, she was running about. She'd found a patch of mud and she was running about with, with Buddy the Labrador. And they were both overjoyed. And she just suddenly picked her leg up. She, I think she did one out and she picked her leg up to, and held it out to the side and ran. And we were like, what on earth? Anyway, she'd ruptured a cruciate ligament. Um, oh, so uh, yeah, it was awful. So she she had TPLO surgery. They they leveled the bone, the shin bone. Very painful, very intensive. And she had eight weeks in the crate. When we when she could come out of the crate, it still wasn't quite right, and she needed four more weeks where we had to build up the exercise gradually to to build up the muscle again. But exactly what you said, had we 
gone to a class like this and had her muscles as as strong and in as good a condition as possible beforehand maybe that the rehab afterwards would have been you know not as not as intensive and and by building up the muscle you actually further stabilize a joint so it can actually sometimes where they might have had a rupture the muscles the structures right might have been stronger to stop that actually from happening in the first place so it's sometimes I speak to people like oh yeah my dog doesn't need that and I'm like you never know. You no. never know. And um, I think, every, I mean, I'm obviously biased. I'm a physio. I'm like, everybody should exercise. But <laughs> it's it's good for everyone. And did you have physio for Star? We didn't actually. She had she had eight weeks crate rest, and it was it was like literally even going out to the toilet was on the lead. And if she was she was on our laps, if she was the focus of your attention, she was on your lap, and she was not <laughs> going to jump off. That was okay. Otherwise, yeah. she was actually literally in the crate. Um, yeah. But the, no, we didn't have. Um, physio so it's 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 gradually coming more and more well known Um, well this was back in 2009 so yeah it's we're getting there we're we're always trying to educate people like yes physio yes yeah (laughs) definitely definitely i think it would have helped her because as we had to go longer walks and build back up she did kind of look at us i can remember so she looked at us like do we have to go again because she was always a little bit like I've been, I've been. I went yesterday. Aww. I don't need to go again. And then once you were out on the walk, she would have a wonderful time and love it. But, you know, yeah, to begin with, she was like, I don't want to go out today. The anticipation. Yes. She was like, no, yeah. I'm used to lying down, Mum. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like that. us, isn't it? Yes. Trying to get people like us exercising. Yeah. And afterwards, you often think, don't you? Well, I actually enjoyed that. I'm glad I went. But getting the motivation to get up and get out is a bit like, oh, do I have to? <laughs> Aww. exactly i'm exactly the same my husband stays from like should i go to the gym I'm like, yeah i haven't got it <laughs> yeah, any minute now <laughs> it'll Aww. happen yeah yeah but i mean so it's, it's so good as well i imagine for the relationship the bond between you and your dog to do these kind of activities well yeah because i'm not and i never preach myself as a dog trainer i'm not a dog trainer but People who bring their dogs, the amount of people like, my dog's so unruly. And I'm like, do not worry. We have chaos sometimes. And people, the first time they come, they're not terrible, but sometimes the dog doesn't do the exercises. And that's fine because it is so different to a normal class. Because normally everybody is calm. We walk around, we say sit. Here, we've got people doing star jumps, we've got music on. The dog's (laughs) like, oh my goodness. Um, So to be honest, the first session or two, dog just gets used to chaos and um, and that's fine like it's good for the dog and then they get used to it and then they learn to listen yes so when you a few lessons in the dog's learning to listen under distraction everybody's they got music they got star jumps they got other dogs barking and they really begin to focus and people say that like when they go out walking and that their dog's actually listening to them a lot more yeah. so it's yeah and and they people are teaching their dogs to like weave spin step up it it's fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's fun. The dogs don't see it as, oh, crikey, have I got to get up and do something? The dogs love it. They want to have a job, a purpose, don't they? Exactly. Every, every, my belief is that literally every dog wants a job. Yeah. And even if they're not particularly bred um, for something, and my friend's just got a cavapoo. Yeah. And we were Googling of what the different breeds are for, and it was like poodles, like a gun dog type thing. And I was like, what was, what is a cavalier King Charles Spaniel bred for? And turns out they're literally bred to warm up your lap. Oh. <laughs> but I was like, it's still a job, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but every dog has job. a job. 
has a job, but maybe yes. a bit more of an active one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, bless. I like that. That's in winter. That's very important in in the. Britain. It is. You have a I was like, your lap up. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, but you know, again, that's. I th- I always think it's so important. To look at what the dog was bred for. If you want yeah. to know whether that dog will suit you, in general, they're all individuals. But if you want to know generally if breed will suit you, if you will suit that breed, if you can make that breed happy. Look at what they were bred for. Definitely. Um, you know, and I, I think sometimes if you want a dog that's going to enjoy cuddles, you know, and be on your you lap. Need to look at what... your cavapoo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just oh, cavalier yes. straight. But yeah, yeah, it's it's looking at kind of what, what, and also what's too much for them. So learning to recognise. So people really learn the baseline of their dogs. And it's yeah. something I preach and preach about all the time. I feel like I just repeat myself. But stroking your dogs all over like at least once a week then you know if there's any extra lumps and bumps you know what they feel like if like what they're if you feel like your arm is it normally that hard or tight or soft stuff like that you learn kind of what your dog feels like yeah you know what their baseline is how how often do they go to sleep are they sleeping more today and and then I teach people to recognize when when something's wrong they know Yes. And that's brilliant because then you can get help sooner. Then the dog isn't as much suffering as much. And yeah, that's like the ultimate aim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I must admit that I used to just absently stroke and fuss Buddy. And I think that's a good habit to get into when you when you do sit by them. And, and again, if they want that attention, if they like that, just fuss them and, and feel, you know, the legs and the tummy. And that. And, and I felt a lump on Buddy's, um, so the side of his his neck and it turned out that we we went to the vet and she thought it was just a, a fatty cyst and said okay I'll, I'll aspirate with the, the needle and buddy, uh, buddy bless him just sat there and was like yeah okay fine so she aspirated took the cells away sent them off and she said oh it's just a fatty cyst don't worry that was on the saturday and the friday she rang and said it's cancer and wow. yeah and it was just like and it was a mast cell tumor and I was just like, it floored me completely. I thought he was, going, he was only nine and oh. I, I thought he was just going to die and that was going to be it. Anyway, it was a mast cell tumour. It hadn't spread, metastasized. Um, and they took it away with clear margins. So they took all the cancer away and some flesh around it. And he, although he had four more of them, none of them actually killed him, those, those cancers. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It actually alerted us to a non-cancerous tumour on his adrenal gland. He had that removed as well. Um, but actually what what killed, well, he had to be put to sleep in the end, but that was um, a, a a disease a bit, I can never remember the name of it. It's a bit like um, MS in people and it took his back, it was a g- degenerative condition oh. and it just took his back legs and uh, he was 15 and a half. Thank goodness he, he oh. had a good life. But yes, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the cancer. So, but I do think that's such an important thing that be familiar with the way your dog, you know, your, your dog's body, the way it feels, the way it behaves, the way it moves and everything. And spot problems. Yeah. You will. And, and teaching them to kind of touch different areas because a lot of people are like, oh, you can't touch my dog's feet. And it's like, mm. and if you teach them, and when I come to visit to do physio for people's dogs, I'm teaching people that like, you need to teach your dogs that touch this. Then when you do get to the vets, then it's, it's because they only have 10 minutes. Like yes. these vets don't have time to have a dog and it's not nice to like shove a muzzle on the dog and we want to create these positive experiences so if you teach your dog at home then it's something we can try and it's continuous my dog 
hates his bottom being touched. I'm never we have to go yes the thermometer up his bottom. <laughs> oh yes. Last time we went, the vets at the the nurses at the desk were like, I've never heard a dog make that sound. I was like, oh. <laughs> but, but like it's a it's a continual process. Like yes. I'm still training my dog. Yeah. Um and it's just just continue and touch them all over in the not a weird way <laughs> and yes. getting them used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's true. It, it's part part of what you have to well you know what I think you should do as as yeah. a you know a responsible but, owner. I mean and but not everybody realises well, no, it. There's no, no there's no lessons. No. No. And you you only know it when somebody's told it to you. You know you know you don't as you say you don't get the dog with a manual or <laughs> a series of lessons of like well Exactly. I mean, you should you can go and get training but yeah you need to be told these things. It's so people, important. People don't really, it's like um so my husband and I at the moment we're starting the process to adopt a child. Yeah. And you have to like go to all these parenting classes and this and that and we're like this is amazing. Yes. And like we've got friends who obviously aren't adopting they're like when we have a kid we don't know what we're doing <laughs> but yes. you know, it makes you realize maybe everybody should have these lessons yes. and maybe to buy a dog there should also be some lessons yeah yeah in, oh. a, in a helpful supportive this yeah, will not make in a it, bad way no, no, but this will make it nicer for you and for the dog or the child or you know this is going to help you all you won't be so you won't be sort of so because I can remember bringing Jenny home from the hospital and just thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm responsible for this little person now. And, like, when they're tiny, <laughs> you think she can't even change the way she's lying, you know? <laughs> the way If I put her down in the wrong way, that's it, you're stuck. Um, yeah, it is. And, and with a puppy, it's a bit similar that you've got this tiny, tiny little being that relies yeah. on you for everything. Exactly. And like my friend, so my friend who just had this literally, I think the cover food is like two and a half weeks. I yeah. went the other day to go and see him. And like she didn't realize they're not supposed to go up and down the stairs yet. And I was like, no, no stairs. And she's like, oh, goodness. Like no one told me. And no. it's like she's ringing me up all the time. But people don't have, no. like people just don't realize. And it's, it's stuff like that, which. Yeah. 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 Well, th- this is why I try to talk to people like you who know about things. Yeah, we do, we do shows for older dogs and puppies and all kinds of things to get that information out there and not in a sort of this is what you need to do way. No, just in a hey, here's some information that that's useful for you and your dog and may help you live, will help the dog live a longer and or a happier life, you know, and that's that's what it's all about, isn't it? I think. Exactly. It, it is. It's. It's not about being like, you must do this. It's just, this is the information. I recommend you listen to it and kind of adapt it to suit your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. <laughs> While we're saying that, you mentioned the muzzle there. Another thing, if your dog does need a muzzle, that's okay. Make it part of your daily training. So it's not yeah. like, oh my goodness, I'm at the vet. It smells bad. It smells funny. I'm having this stressful. So just your daily training is pop your muzzle on, have a treat, pop it off, off we go. It's just normal. I'm actually of the belief that every dog should be muzzle trained. Yeah. No matter what, whether they could be the friendliest thing in the world, you never know what situation is around the corner, what high stress, whatever. If you can train your dog to have a muzzle before we get to that horrible situation, hopefully never need it. But you could make your dog just that little bit less stressed. Um, so important. <laughs> Yes, no, I absolutely agree. It's, it's so important to think ahead. Forewarned is forearmed. And if you think ahead of the situations that your dog might find itself in and kind of make that as normal as possible, feel as yeah. normal as possible for the dog, you're doing them such a service. Yeah, it's it's like if you're 
I don't know, training recall. You don't just go in your garden or even in your lounge. Oh, perfect. You know, yes. I'll go to the dog park and let my dog off and I expect perfection. No, 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 yes. no. <laughs> if, you, if you're at the point where you think that's going to happen, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, yes. It doesn't. Build up um, the training in, yeah, in that um, situation, isn't it? Yeah, every situation is different and you might be fine one day and the other day there might be that evil dog that says, no dog's evil, but you know what I mean. I, yes. <laughs> the chaotic dog. Yes. Yes, enthusiastic, dynamic. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, my fate. My pet hate is when the dog off lead runs towards you. Oh, there's two pet hates, and the person's like, "Don't worry, my dog's friendly." Mm. Yeah, deep yeah. breath. And the second one, there's a dog what we go to, and the dog doesn't even have an owner. The owner's like two fields away. But the the technique wow. we've worked out, every dog knows sit so this yes. helps me on walks it might help someone else so sometimes when i've got a dog coming towards mine and it's getting a little bit over the top i tell them both to sit and they sit and i wait till the owner comes then i give the owner a slightly bit of a rollicking yes. but it's 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 helped me so maybe every dog knows sit yeah so if ever you're in difficulty and the owner isn't there tell it to sit it will sit yeah good idea good advice I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yes you're right and most dogs you know I've been in a situation where there's, there's I think it was a Labrador. I, I love Labradors. I had a Labrador. Yeah. But they are full of enthusiasm and, and mm. boundless energy. And so he bounded up and I got little mischief with me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, is the, what's this dog going to be like? And if you just step forward, it, sit. And it's like, oh, okay. And they want to please. And they're like, can I have a treat now? And actually, <laughs> so I did, I did, it was possibly naughty, but I did give the dog a treat because it did behave very well. And then the owner was the other side of like a little stream calling them back. And the dog was like, She's got treats. I'm not coming back to you. <laughs> dog's like, no way. Yes, yeah. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you're motivating this dog, but it prefers my motivation. Anyway, it did go back. But yes, it's it's that thing of, because again, it's easy to panic. When you see the dog running towards you, you I panic, yeah. And I'm like, ah, what should I do? But so if you've thought it through ahead of time, okay, I know what to do. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, I'm usually, Ted's behind me, come in front, sit, it sits. And I'm like, right owner <laughs> yes <laughs> now you pin your lug holes back i've got something to say to you yeah absolutely i well, like i appreciate i've been fair case so you're like oh i think we're okay no we're not okay for recall so i i understand that but it's when it's the same person every day i'm like yeah no you know this is a problem and you keep doing it. yeah 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 no i mean yes we've all i mean buddy's recall he, as you say they're not born with great recall his recall wasn't wasn't that great to begin with so i would keep an eye out for other dogs as soon as i saw other dogs i'd pop him on the lead yeah you know there's, there's ways around it and you can get the long um canvas strong lines yeah stuff. long line thank you yeah um yeah use those but do, do something don't just go oh well he's friendly it's fine. <laughs> oh well yeah. yeah because the thing is again it's th- this isn't snobbery about oh you've got to train your dog. it's not that what if your dog is running towards a dog who is not dog friendly exactly and- or a ch- if you've got um a chase drive and i i this i still get nightmares about this yeah. i was in wales and husband drops the lead of the dog yeah. um our dog and he chased a sheep yeah, and yeah. you a farmer can legally shoot a dog yeah and um, and that's understandable because that's their livestock and i chased teddy for over two miles <gasps> after oh, this wow. and i got him i was so panicked because yeah. i understand if a farmer would have shot him i understand um and and if your dog is shot then obviously 
like yeah, this is but it does happen oh yeah yeah it's oh yeah like it does. so i'm um a little bit in the gun dog community and, and people are like yes i've shot a dog yeah. and it's if you could just be aware of that and train your dog then that could stop your dog dying yes. like it yeah. it it could be like, that to important. be able to snap yeah. it, it could be that important and it's people and like a lot of city people don't realize that when they come out into the country it is that serious yeah. if it if they chase livestock then that's it's just not okay yeah. because that's someone's livelihood isn't it oh yes yeah you can see where they're coming from and they've got the legal right to to do that and it is a last resort i would imagine but yeah that's it's yeah so sorry yeah. very morbid but <laughs> oh, really that's... important just to be aware of <laughs> but isn't it better to confront those sad thoughts ahead of time and think hang on that could happen let's avoid that yeah rather than being like okay then then rather than someone else feeling like they have to educate everyone else because it's happened to them yeah um but yeah like i still have nightmares about that yeah. day like it was yeah. so stressful oh. but we've been there since and he yes. didn't chase the sheep <laughs> excellent excellent <laughs> I was like two hands on the lead. Did you do some training with the husband? Uh, Yes, I did. I did do husband training. Excellent. All all reward-based positive training, I'm sure. Positive. I informed him about this because he is a city person and he was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realise. I was like, it's okay. It's in the past now. It won't happen again. (laughs) He wasn't actually in the doghouse then? No. No. Oh, excellent. Is there anything else that you would like to say? I think it's just that physio exists for yeah, dogs. Yeah. And like if people wonder if it's any good for them, just to chat to you about um, People can chat to me. I'm more than happy for people to reach out to me um, because it's really important. And even if you're like a super healthy person, super healthy dog, it's honestly so important. I can't even emphasize it enough. And it's fun. Yeah. Like maybe people are sitting there, oh, I do agility or... I don't really want to do any of these sports. It's, it's just, it's it's beneficial for everything. That's my yeah. main thing. Just, it's good for you and your dog, so why not do it? It's fun. Absolutely. <laughs> I would imagine if you've got a sort of high-performance dog that competes or trains, you know, it's going to benefit them by keeping them in peak performance and backing Absolutely. up that performance. But equally... If you've got a pet dog who you think... Catch potato. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. That you, you think, I never want to do any of these activities. Maybe that dog's bored. Maybe yeah. that dog isn't living his best life. Maybe. I've got... um. Oh, what are they? Thought, I call them clouds. They're... um. Oh, the breed's gone out of my head. Bichon? You know, like... Bichon yeah. Bichon. Yeah, yeah. Yes, them. I'm like, cloud one, cloud two. <laughs> um. They're like 13, 14. They come wow. to my classes. They've only just started. Yeah. <laughs> One of them's quite round. They won't, they only won't mind me saying this, but nice little, you could probably roll her. Yeah. Um, and the other one, the vet said, needs to keep the strength up because he's got a few issues. And they have learned, they didn't know anything. They didn't really know like much at all. And now they can spin, they can weave. And you know what? You can, just because your dog's old doesn't mean, yes. like, entertain them for the final few years. Yes. It's fun. Yeah. It's never too late, is it? No, It's not. Never. An old dog can learn new tricks. Yeah. And those dogs absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you might have to take it slowly. But that's, yeah, I'm sure you... Yeah, definitely slowly. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm sure you match the activity to the, the dog yeah. and the ability. But, for example, I know someone who's got a pug who when she adopted the pug, the pug was, it's Susanna I'm talking about, but the, when she adopted the pug, it was called Marshmallow because it was a big white <laughs> fluffy, you know, well, not fluffy, but sort of had had plenty of flesh. And now she's just called Marsha and she whizzes around an agility pitch uh, course and she competes with any other breed. 
you know that's amazing and yes but uh, this is what you said that like don't think whatever breed you've got won't be won't benefit or won't be able to do it or you know they will just give yeah, it if they've go. got three legs it's good for them yes <laughs> yeah we haven't even covered that have we any, no, any double disabilities yeah yeah <laughs> oh but it will again match the um the activity to the dog but dogs with with disabilities could could benefit as well oh my goodness definitely even if you've got a dog in wheels there's stuff you can do with them um absolutely loads every single dog i just say if you have got a dog with an issue make sure you're chatting to your vet or vet physio to make sure you're doing the right thing um but i mean you can speak to your vet anyway and they can advise you yeah um yeah but yeah it's it's great i love it yeah (laughs) that's that's a good point that vets are we are often overlook them. We just go to our vet when there's a problem. But they actually are a really good first stop, aren't they? To go, where do I need to go for this? They they know behaviourists. They know um, physios like me. Yeah. They have they can make quite a lot of recommendations. They kind of the vet really should be your first stop yes. shop. Yeah. They're not for some reason, <laughs> no. but they should be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even if you haven't even got the dog yet. Yeah, they can advise you on where to get them. Exactly. And people to, to avoid and health tests. Yeah. And yeah. How to recognise a puppy farm because yes. they're really good oh. now at disguising themselves. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. And even how to... Re- I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, the puppy farmers are so good at the, the sophisticated ways of, of dressing up and they'll get sort of a respectable... Um, in we'll get them to a house. Yeah, and... exactly. So, oh, we lost the mom, and they we just and then tell you all kinds of fibs. Um, so <laughs> some, that's um, <laughs> that, that's too nice a word, isn't it? Fibs, but they they will lie to your face. Um, but also rescues. Not every rescue is wonderful. So go and talk to the vet, and they will put point you in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and making sure that they've had all the jabs and stuff because I've seen something recently where somebody's had to have their dogs put down. Oh gosh, she had she adopted a dog from abroad. Yeah. Yes, and and it brought I can't remember the name of the disease and she caught it and she had to have all, yeah. all Yes, I saw that all her four dogs put down. <gasps> it was something like that and I was like, "Oh goodness." Yeah. I was like, "That's that's not good." <laughs> that was heartbreaking, wasn't it? That was awful. Yeah. The poor, the poor owner. But it's stuff like that. Make yes. sure you educate yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. This this is, I always think that, do your research. It just comes down to, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to go and look into this further. And and it may be that you go to the kennel club or you go to your vet or whatever, but you're going to have to then go and yeah. do some research, you know, and, on that breeder or rescue, whatever, and, and do it for yourself. And have they had the right health checks, the parents? Yes. The, yeah. Stuff like that. And because like, if you're going to get a breed that's, like our labs and stuff that's prone to hip dysplasia, eye, dis- eye dysplasia, oh my goodness, elbow dysplasia, um, stuff like that, then yeah. why not have the checks? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. But um, we, could, we could talk all day, couldn't we? We could, we could. I'm sorry, I'm going on. <laughs> no, no, it's good, it's good stuff. Um, where can, I, hopefully people will want to find out more. So where can they find out more about you online? So I've actually made a 50 fun activities to do with your dog this summer document. So if people want that, yeah. um, I can send you the link if you like for that. So they just kind of sign up. Smash um, it. Yeah. And, but my company is called Vet Fizz Pro. So V-E-T. Yeah. Fizz like physio. P-H-Y-S-P-R-O. 
literally Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And I'm starting up um, an online boot camp for people to exercise with the dog because people don't just live in Bristol in the UK. And <laughs> They're I've awkward having... like that, aren't they? They go and live yeah, in they, they live in America. <laughs> they live everywhere. So I'm starting that up in the next few weeks. It's really exciting. Yeah. So I'll be able to reach out further to people um, and get more and more people exercising with the yeah. dog. So if you're into that, like, yeah. hit me so, up. I love it. <laughs> so anybody, as we have a lot of American listeners and, and listeners all around the, the, the globe, should we say? Globe. But, uh, the globe. Yes, the globe. Um, <laughs> but anybody from anywhere on the globe, they can benefit from this and they can join in. Yeah, anyone. Um, so I'm creating 12-week programs um, to get people fit, to get their dogs fit and working with them, kind of providing a bit of one-to-one support to go through it to get them like used to it and it's 12 weeks because it takes a while to form a habit yes yeah you don't just get one morning this is my new habit (laughs) could you not just make it a tablet we can take and then 24 hours later we're better (laughs) honestly if you could put exercise into a tablet it would be the best medication you could ever have yeah yeah absolute best but yeah anyone anywhere if you're into exercising with your dog you want to just spice up your exercise routine because it's boring then that is that is what i'm here for (laughs) excellent excellent that's great that's so important because i can remember with buddy we used to do you know basic training but then i saw an alley-oop like a target stick on a a rocking base and um and i saw it on youtube and i was like oh i've got to have one of those that's and it was a gadget you know got that and we used to do some training with it and when i got the alley-oop out he was like wow we're gonna have fun now when we started to do basic training, he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, he's got this from me. That's what I do. I'm like, now yeah. we're going to have fun. Mm, now we've got to just do this basic drill, you know? Yeah. And and they and pick up on it. And it's about changing it up, having some fun. And, and training doesn't have to be boring. And exercising doesn't have to be boring. And if it's raining, you don't have to go out if you don't want to go out. Yeah. Um, and... And so this is why I've kind of made a bit a bit one to one because if there's some accountability, so basically I build a plan with someone. And every week I'm like, how did that? How did last week go? So if you don't do it, you have to come on the phone with me and be like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> so that helps people do it. And then once yeah. you hit your twelve weeks, then you're used to it, you're doing it, and you found the fun in it. Yeah, you don't need me like hounding you. <laughs> how appropriate hounding (laughs) yeah literally but no (laughs) oh brilliant well i'm sure you're helping lots of dogs and people get fitter and happier and healthier and best of luck thank you so much and thank you very much for having me and hello to everybody else enjoy it i hope you did enjoy that certainly lots to think about there thanks to steph and we have links on the dogcast radio site where you can access the resources she mentioned does your dog inspire you to keep active What activities do you enjoy sharing? I'd love to hear all about it. Dogs have around 18 muscles to move their ears. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Okay, time for a bit of a moan. I scroll through a lot of dog-related and animal-related headlines, looking for Dogcast Radio news and interest. And there's a type of article that's really started to put my back up and annoy me. And it's those 10 dogs which articles. And there's so many of them. 
the 10 dogs which are the easiest or the most difficult to train without expensive obedience classes. That was the latest one I saw and that really sort of bugged me. But there's 10 dogs which are the noisiest, which can be left at home, which are hypoallergenic, which don't need grooming, which don't need much exercise. And I object to these articles for a number of reasons. The first one being, are these good criteria on which to choose a dog? So, for example, well, yes, you might want to choose a dog which won't be made terribly unhappy by you being at work all day and then being alone a lot of the time. But I would suggest that any dog being left home alone for several hours a day, several days a week, week after week, is going to have their welfare compromised. And so a better article would be 10 ways you can alleviate the boredom or stress of your dog being left home alone. But of course, that's not as eye-catching and so less people read it. And uh, and I guess that's one of the problems. But another one that, that worried me is looking for a breed that won't require training. And yes, it's again, it's an eye-catching headline and oh, I can have a dog that I won't need to train and I'll save money. But the truth is all breeds need training. They don't come out of a box knowing what they need to do. They have instincts. But for example, those instincts don't cover whether they're allowed on the furniture. Our dogs go on the furniture. Your dogs might not be allowed. It's all personal choice. There's not a right or wrong. It's down to what you want to do. What about recall? There's no instinct for coming back when I call you. We have to teach them that. What about car manners? You know, the the wait until I tell you to get out or into the car. There's all kinds of everyday situations for which they will require training in as much as they will need to be shown what you want them to do in that situation. You know, I'd also say that these articles which promise they'll help you avoid expense with the training or the health of your dog, it's an inescapable truth that dogs cost money. And in many ways, the initial outlay of buying the dog or adopting the dog may not be, well, won't be the the major expense. And you need to be aware of that and prepare for it in some way. And it's inconvenient, but there you go. All dogs, in my humble opinion, need grooming, whether they're short-haired or not, whether they technically need grooming because they'll get tangles. It goes beyond that because you will get to know their body. And so you will get to know changes that happen to their body and you'll spot health issues quicker. I would never have spotted Buddy's Marcel tumors if I hadn't groomed him. He was a Labrador, short-haired, didn't really need that much grooming, but I did it. And I'm so glad I did because it saved his life. Literally, I found a mast cell tumour when he was nine. He made it to 15 and a half. And he might not have done if I hadn't spotted that lump. So I would say groom them, you know, look at their body, feel their body every day. It really is an important thing. One that really, really made me go, oh my goodness, is the 10 naughtiest dog breeds. Naughty? Really? Now this And I guess this is one of the things that really gets me is this is lazy writing and it might well lead to lazy dog ownership. Because naughty? I don't think dogs have a concept of naughty. And if they did have a concept of naughty, I certainly don't think they would set out to be naughty because they want us on their side. They want us to like them. They want us to give them the resources. They want our affection, the food we have access to. They want walks, they want fun, they want training, they want all that. So there's no way they would do anything but try to keep us on side if they knew what behaviour would do that. And I think that's the thing. For me, those naughtiest breeds or hardest to train, what does that say about us? Because really, those are the breeds which we 
as the owner, the guardian, the, the other end of the lead, those are the breeds that we have to work hardest with, maybe. And you could argue that those that are hardest to train may be the more intelligent because they've worked out that we need to give them something to motivate them to do something. And in humans, we would see that as intelligence, surely. So those breeds which aren't innately disposed to dote on us and listen to our every instruction and follow those instructions, unless there's a good reward involved, are they naughty? Are they hard to train? Or is it just that we have to do a little bit more work? And that, I guess, is is really at the heart of this, that these, not only is it lazy to say these these 10 dog breeds, because, you know, all of those dogs will be individuals. I had a Labrador that didn't like swimming. They're all individuals. And so it's it's a dangerous game to say, I want to do X, Y, or Z with a dog, so I will have that dog. And we can talk about another time about the, you know, if I want a dog that's going to take to an activity or sit on my lap or whatever the trait is that you're looking for. There are ways that we can try and make sure that the dog we end up with will fulfill that need. But really, shouldn't we be setting out to fulfill the dog's needs? Isn't that what it should be about? Anyway, that was my moan for today. Have you spotted misleading headlines about dogs? And if so, let me know and I can share it with everyone else. Or conversely, have you spotted a great article that everyone could benefit from? And I'd love to help celebrate that too. Or do you have an idea for an article that you haven't seen written anywhere? Because I'd love to know about that too, because I might be able to steal it from you (laughs) with your agreement and write that article. Who knows? You may know a Dalmatian has spots, but did you know that each Dalmatian's spots are unique to them and will vary in size, shape and number? Lisa Tully is a holistic animal practitioner who not only treats the animals who are referred to her, but she looks into the dynamic between the pet and their human and often has insights into the person's health, which they had no idea about. In Lisa's experience, our dogs often reflect our physical and mental health. It's fascinating, and dogs can detect things we have no awareness of. So I found Lisa's experiences and abilities very interesting, because she can also communicate with domestic and wild animals. My first question was, what does being a holistic animal practitioner entail? It means that everything I do, I look at the whole being, holism. It's where I don't just identify if there's a specific problem going on with the dog and focus on that, like, say, a physical condition. I'll also look at the mental, emotional and spiritual parts to the problem as well. And I use holistic healing modalities like herbs, essential oils, flower essences, even meditations. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You see, that makes sense because often you have a couple of problems yourself and you, you know, when you go to the doctor, they're going to say, right, we'll just deal with one thing at a time or we'll, you know, we'll concentrate on that. And sometimes you think, but I'm living with everything. I'm living with both conditions. I'm not, you know, I can't separate them and put them in a box. And, and that's life, isn't it? Life is, is holistic. Absolutely. Everything is connected, you know, so I also bring a bit of traditional Chinese medicine into it. And traditional Chinese medicine is amazing, the five elements, because it connects up how different organs and different systems impact one another, again, mentally, emotionally and physically. So when you try and just identify something out, you're, you're going to limit yourself in the results you get. Yes, definitely. No, I think that's a, that's a, a brilliant way to approach things. And you, you've mentioned to me that one of the things you do, which, which I have to concentrate while I say this, but zoo farmer 
cognosy cognosy i can't say it. yeah so what is that tell me about that so zoopharmacognosy is basically when you break it down it means animals that know how to self-medicate so it's a scientific term and it's something that animals do all the time in the wild it's like the monkeys that know what leaves to eat if they have certain types of parasites. It's the dog that goes out of the house and eats the grass in the morning time because they have an upset stomach. The horse that eats the dandelions in springtime because they know they need to cleanse the liver after the winter. Like there's so much to it. So what I do is taking that principle, I bring zoopharmacognosy to the dogs themselves, to all the animals by offering them the botanicals that I work with on a self-selection basis. So if I dilute down an essential oil, for example, for a dog and I offer the dog the bottle, if the dog doesn't need that oil, it will refuse to smell the bottle. It'll turn its, its head away. But if if they if it's the right oil for them, they'll just sniff, sniff, sniff and go into a very deep healing trance on the oil. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't it? I mean, I, dogs do seem to know things perceive things on a different level from us don't they it's amazing oh they're very tuned in they're not only tuned into themselves and what their body needs i think they're also tuned into us and what we need you know they breathe the air that we breathe they exchange molecules exchange emotions and often they have messages for us to their own challenges their mirror ours yes yeah i mean they are very very as you say attuned to us and I always think we're the centre of their world and they just ask to be a little part of ours. And too often, the rest of our world is so busy that we don't make a big enough space for them, I think. But we do live very closely with them. So, and that's, I think that's really interesting. You you mentioned that the our problems, our traumas are often mirrored in them. So tell me about that. So this is a lot of the work that I do. Um, uh, there's one particular dog I was working on recently. There's so many, but there's one particular dog, um, that was had a, a hot spot, yeah, on kind of the the side of the body down towards the hip. And the guardian got in touch with me because she had tried everything, including my my friend Emily, who's a holistic vet that I collaborate with. So they weren't getting the results. So so Emily will always send them to me kind of think, okay, there must be a real strong emotional element to this. And when I looked at where the hot spot was on the body, it was near, it was really near an acupuncture point that when you stimulate it, it actually supports the colon. And it turns out that this, the guardian, the lady whose dog is under her guardianship, she has problems with her colon as well, ulcerative colitis. Wow. And the dog would only rub this hot spot to the point that it would bleed only when she came into the kitchen in the morning time, never oh, when nice. anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That dog must have been trying so desperately to communicate that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the dog's mother um, had lived in the house as well. And she, when she passed away, she was very close to that lady and she would always mind her. So it's almost like the the dog took on the role of of her mother and said, "Okay, I'll take over on minder, and this yeah. is how the dog is doing it." Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and I mean, to anyone listening who's thinking, "Oh, this sounds a bit, you know, outlandish," um, there may be people thinking that. Um, but we don't think that when a dog detects our blood sugar level 
or when they predict, you know, when they warn us about a, an epileptic fit coming up or all those things. And they can, some dogs are aware of um, impending earthquakes and things like that. So they do have ways of perceiving the world that we may not understand fully yet. But that, you know, as I say, in some ways that seems a huge leap. But in other ways, you think that's quite logical that the dog, some dogs might have that ability. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, and like you've you've hit the nail on the head. You know, we allow we allow the dogs to help us in certain ways. Like if we're going to have a seizure, you know, that makes sense to us. Well, well, why can't it be for every condition that we have? Yeah. <laughs> it all comes from their intuition, yeah, uh, their insights into us. And it is if you let it in. What I find when I work with people and their and their doggy friends, when they've taken on board what I've said, it's almost like the veil is lifted. And they can no longer deny the mirroring that goes on, the way the animals will express our traumas, our challenges, all because they are so unconditional in their love. (laughs) They want nothing but the best for us. And this is one way that they express it time and time again. Yeah, that makes such sense because they do live so closely with us. They watch us. They react to our moods. So... If we have a problem, of course, that's going to express itself in some way through them, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, One other area that I I find I get a lot of work in is is with dogs that are reactive. Yeah. Whether they resource guard or they're reactive on the lead or nervous reactivity, whatever it is. And through all the years, I've just always learned that if a dog, say, for example, a dog has a problem with men, yeah. which a lot of them do. And whenever a man comes along the trail and they're on the walk and the dog goes mad, it's, you know, it's a sensitive area. because you say, you, I have to say to the lady, if it's a female woman who owns the dog, I say, do you have a problem with men? You know, and often they'll be honest and say that they do. Or I have one dog I'm working with at the moment that will resource guard uh, his person, even against her children. Wow. But only, yeah. So, so this, this is a deep case. And so it's looking at to see like this dog is really nervous. And I said, I said, you know, how do you feel in life? You know, do you feel confident? She's like, no. (laughs) So it's really about then the journey becomes about helping the animal let go saying your message has been received we got it. Now it's up to your person to work on that. And whether or not they do, it's okay. And whether or not they do in six months time, it's okay. It's up to you to trust that you've you've given them the message and let me heal you now or give you what you need to cope until the person can really go deep into that. And some people do, they straight away, they're on it. And I tell you, the resource gardening can be gone in weeks And resource guarding is a huge problem. It's why a lot of dogs get sent back to foster, sent back to the pound or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's it's up there with um, separation anxiety, isn't it? It's just, it's a, yeah, big problem. Because it is, because it's a trigger. And particularly if it's food or something, you know, there's always, well, often food around in a home environment. So, and you've got to be so careful managing it. It is, it's a huge, it has a huge impact on everybody in the house, doesn't it? Wow. Oh, it really does. And and the dogs that guard the food, you know, obviously the in, in here in Ireland anyway, we've got one of the highest number of puppy farms in Europe. 
So I have many, many dogs that I've worked with with, with resource guarding around food because of that. But what I would also say, Julie, is that although it may make sense that the dog, if they come from a puppy farm and they resource guard food, absolutely. Then by the time they go to their new person at whatever age. um, But then I would still say there can still be soul level mirroring going on. So even though the dog develop the guarding in a, a different place there's a there's some reason that dog was attracted and that person was attracted to each other so you can almost have that lifelong mirroring that goes on and that can happen with dogs when people meet them at six years and mm-hmm. I go into their life story with my animal communication and then I share it with the person they go that's me and I've never said I didn't even suggest it <laughs> wow wow That's, you see animal communication fascinates me how does that work for you do you get things straight away or do you have to sit and concentrate how does that work yeah so for me because I'm full-time at this job I, I switch it off when I'm not working I switch it off because you run out of battery yeah um, but I can switch it on when I want to so my favorite way of doing it is sitting with the photo being really quiet and just giving the animal my full attention. And then I just hear their thoughts or I feel their feelings or sometimes they'll send pictures into my mind and I just write, 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 write. And then afterwards I'll share it with the person. But if I'm doing an in-person part of the call then as well, I work remotely or in person. So if I'm doing work in person, I'll still have worked with the photo because humans, we like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And when there's a problem with there's a, with the doggy, there's always lots to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I like to just allot pure time to the animal via the photo as well. Wow, wow. And so a lot of the time, are the people surprised at what the, the animals told you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they come to me for a problem with the dog, but they don't really expect... <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to go deeper and look at the human relationship as well. And when what what I just say is like it just kind of becomes undeniable um, because I've had, uh, you know, they haven't told me certain things, but the dog is telling me certain things. And they go like, well, how do you know that? And they go, well, the dog told me. Um, and the other area that I, I do then is just to support people when we uncover this stuff. It's like, well, what do you do? You know, yeah. how can we help everybody? So the animals, they self-select what med- what botanicals they need. But I've got a method where they self-select what botanicals like flower essences or essential oils that their person needs. Oh, wow. And, and the botanicals that they select tells their own story. And I have never, ever had a person go, oh, no, no, I don't need them. That doesn't resonate. Oh, <laughs> they always wow. just go, oh, my God. <laughs> amazing so I mean so what kind of what kind of conditions might that help with what kind of um any condition any condition really but say for example what did I do what did I do recently oh yeah so I was working uh where this this doggy recently was selecting some botanicals for his person and this particular person what what the botanicals showed was that um she had a lot of grief in her heart Okay, but not just grief of recent grief, but really old grief that kind of went back to when her father passed away when she was quite young. So um, the doggy selected selected, um, cypress essential oil 
And if anyone knows essential oil, you'll know cypress is an incredible grief release oil. Um, the cypress trees, a lot of them are in the graveyards and things. It's got that affiliation. And every time she opens the bottle, she just starts to cry. Oh, wow. Uh, so so they're just literally opening it. And um, so this, the power of this oil is so strong that she's like, okay, I need to take a break. And I'm like, okay, take a break, you know, but it was the dog that selected the oil. Yeah. And um, just starts to open things up for the person. So it's incredible. My 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 cat does it to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he heals me in this way. Aww. Tells me what else I need. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Now you mentioned the cat there. What, what what animals do you have? Um so I've got Georgie, my cat. My dogs that I had have passed away. So I'm, I don't have dogs at the moment. But where I live, there's two little doggies that we share a garden with, and then there's five horses and chickens. Oh, wow. oh gorgeous. So, yeah, so it's really rural up here in the mountains. So yeah. I live in an animal cornucopia. It's really nice. I yeah. hang out. Lovely. Oh, it sounds lovely. It's, it is yeah. lovely having animals around. And yeah. you've, you've worked with, I mean, I know now you work a lot with dogs, but what other animals have you worked with? Um, so I've worked with some um, wild seals. Uh, I was asked to help out. There's some seals here in Ireland that are brought in from the waters after the storms. We get so many storms now Mm. and there's so much debris in the oceans and the little baby seals, they get knocked up against the rocks and stranded on the beach. So this charity brings them in and heals heals their wounds. So they're still wild. So I was brought in and asked to the animal communication side um, to give them a voice and try to understand what they feel about global changes and the global issues with all the weather and everything that's shifting. So I've worked with them and they're very young seals. Okay. They're little babies, but that was, I was there, there happened to be one seal that was one year old. Yeah. And she had come in. So she had had a year out in the ocean and I said to her, you know, what's going on out there? And she said, well, with all the debris and all the dangers in the oceans, all the fishing vessels, everything. She said the older seals are telling the younger seals a few things. They said, look before you eat something. So when something's floating by, it looks like it's a fish, but it could be a plastic cup. Yeah. OK, that's what's getting caught up in their their, their digestive. So they're saying to them, look before you eat. Yeah. And they, they also look before you go up to the surface of the water because of the fishing nets. Yes. And they said also don't eat more than your fill because there's not enough to go around. Oh. So there, you know, I was just like, wow, you know, so that was one, a, a very memorable, memorable experience to be able to communicate with the wild animals and, and apologize to them for what we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, how amazing. That's incredible. And you were telling me before about another wild animal that you'd sort of mixed with. Yeah. So when I lived in South America, I lived there for a year. This was when I was er early on and before I'd started doing the animal healing work. But I think Mm. it was the catalyst because I I finished my science degree and I had already worked in a veterinary practice for two years. And then I just said, "Okay, I'm going to go travel. And I ended up working in the wildlife sanctuary where there's monkeys, uh, jaguars, pumas, Uh, parrots ocelots and ocelots are smaller jungle cat and I got to work with with one of them Millie for a year Mm. so I would walk half an hour up into the into the jungle where she was kept in her cage and she was 
her mom was shot for her fur. So Millie was found wrapped up in her mother's fur and she ended up being hand reared. So she had this closeness to people, but she so she wasn't quite wild enough. So the best that they could manage with her was I would walk her every day in the jungle for hours and I would just let go of her leash and she would go and she would catch bats out of the air. She caught a few monkeys on me. She would catch snakes. And yeah, so so working with her and just being immersed in that nature for a year, I think it just awoken some spiritual force within me that from that point forward, I, I, I went on a very deep spiritual journey from my early 20s and then I started to meditate and I really started to almost prepare for who I am today really yeah wow that's incredible that's amazing what's the most um, what what I was gonna say common but I don't use the word common because these are uncommon experiences but what's 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 the most um often thing that dogs sort of try to communicate to you well it it really does vary because each situation is different you know, it, it, they're very tailored in the sense that they always want to help their person. Um, but I would say if there's one key thing that dogs will say to me is that their person is not looking after themselves enough. Oh. In whatever way that that sh- takes shape, whether it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it's almost like the dogs want people to go more back into their own heart energy to get out of the busy minds, to move past our fears and to embrace who we are. Because if you look at it, like all the resource guarding, all the the aggression with dogs, it's only ever fear based aggression. I find it's rare that it's pure aggression. Yeah. Um, any dogs that may have dietary things like diarrhea, you know, IBD, all this, this is all emotional. It's all fear. And, you know, so they're expressing it in different ways. So the more people can get in touch with our truth in our relationships, in our human relationships, in what we're doing with our time and our energy, then the dogs will be fine. Yes. (laughs) No, (laughs) they'll just be able to let go then. Um, but that's one of the key areas. So the, I, I love to say to people that the more you can look after yourself and the more you can mind yourself, the more the dogs can let go and not worry about it. Yeah. You know, even dogs that develop cancers and tumors, you know, tumors come from um, from an emotional perspective. It's usually some kind of a grief. Right. So I'll find that like if a dog has shows up with like and unfortunately, a a lot of the time I work with dogs when it has become a catastrophe. Yeah. And they've tried everything else and the tumor is not shrinking. And it's like, okay, so where is the grief? Where is the grief in the dog? Where is the grief in you? Are you willing to go there with me? Because what will happen is I see this pattern all the time. The dogs want the people to be their best selves to the point that they'll carry the tumors and and they'll carry the grief for that person. They'll even pass away. The person will get another dog and eventually that dog gets cancer. Like, honestly, I've seen people on their third dog with cancer because they haven't gotten the message (laughs) that the dogs want us to be well. So if you ever feel sick, um, I remember one of my friend's dogs, the, his father developed cancer of the throat. 
Yeah. And I said to the my friend, I said, make sure your dog doesn't start lying on your dad's throat. He goes, oh, she's already doing that. I said, yeah, she's sucking it in, absorbing it into her body. Like cats do, yeah. do it. So you have to watch out for that. Um, you know, yeah. so <laughs> yeah. it goes deep, Julia. Yes. It really goes deep. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they are amazing. I always say dogs are amazing and we don't know everything they know. We we know a tiny bit of what they know. We don't understand. But um, they, they are, it's so amazing. That's incredible. Um, are there any other, because you were saying me, to me earlier that you you were thinking about dogs, that well, animals you'd worked with. Are there any other cases you'd like, you'd like to tell us about? Um, yeah. So I want to talk about actually depressed dogs. Yeah. Right, because people don't always realize that dogs themselves get depressed. Um, and there was one incredible story where this really beautiful lady, she's in her senior years and she had adopted and cared for many, many rescue dogs. But she had adopted this one particular dog that she couldn't crack. OK, yeah. and this dog was so sad and so depressed. And she was just like, I've never really, you know, like she to the point that if she called the dog, the dog just wouldn't even want to go for a walk, wouldn't oh. really want to come with her. So I was saying to her, I said, well, what's the story of the dog? You know what? What has happened here? And it turned out that this dog, had, her previous guardian, who was a woman, had died So another senior lady had died and then the dog was rehomed because the other thing was that the dog just seemed to always respond well to men. So when they're at walks, the dog go up to men, be really friendly, but for women just be like, so it's it's the opposite. It's usually the dogs are afraid of men. So, so this was really, really an interesting case. So when I went into it and I, I, I understood that the dog was actually carrying her own level of grief from losing the person and frozen grief, then if it's not healed, will will actually go turn into a depression and then eventually, you know, turn into anger. Yeah. So so this particular dog needed help to clear the grief. And the reason the reason the dog didn't like women and the reason the dog was refusing to open up to this lady is because she didn't want her heart broken again. Oh, bless. Right. She had lost a woman, a female guardian before and she didn't want to open up her heart. It was just incredible. And this was another one of those cases where when I shared this to the with the lady, she just went, you know what? That's so resonant of my life and my experiences, even though this dog is like 10 years old and I've only had her six months. We have a very similar soul path. So I had to treat both of them with their grief and it worked. It turned around. She started wagging her tail. She started coming over, you know, started responding to yeah. her. Wow. So so it does exist. Dog yeah. depression does exist. Yeah, yeah. How how do you how did you treat that with the dog? How did you actually because I can't I can't you can't explain to them in, in words. How did you treat it? Um so that particular dog, I actually use flower essences. Yeah. So the the animals will will tell me what uh remotely they'll they'll tell me what essence mix and what they want to to make up and there's one particular essence i use with that dog it's called stuart desert pea hmm. and it's from the australian bushfire range and it just it's like it's like it turns on the tap and the grief just flows out and the tears can flow out wow. so what i do is i would I told that particular guardian, I said, using the flower essences, just put a few drops on your hand and stroke them into the doggy's coat if she's comfortable with that or she might prefer them in her food 
or a second bowl of water. She has plain water. And then you put the essences in the second bowl so she can drink from that bowl when she wants to. But what happens is when the guardian puts the essence on their hand and strokes them into the animal's coat, flower essences are an energetic medicine. They go into the energy body and the physical body. So sheaths are actually going into her as she's stroking them in and they're going into the dog. So it becomes a communication of healing between the person and the animal and the animal, the dogs know exactly what's going on when they, when the guardian's putting it in and it helps them let go. Okay. So even though this dog had her own story, there was still soul level mirroring going on. So the dog understands that the person is getting healing whilst they are so they can just let go and heal and she did (laughs) incredible it's just amazing wow are there differences in the way different um breeds of dog communicate with you or or is is dog universal kind of thing um, I would say they're all universal. They're all souls. It does. It's not really a breed thing. It's not even a species thing. Yeah. Um, because I suppose the best way to describe it, it's a bit like people. You know, everybody, if you're from a different country, okay, if you're from Africa or if you're from Thailand, you know, you're you're a different type of human being. But ultimately, we're not different. We're all the same. We're all souls that are walking on this planet doing the best that we can. And the animals are the same. But where they do differentiate, I would say, is how I tailor to heal them. Obviously, Hmm. you're going to tailor uh, healing differently with a horse in terms of adding in their diet, all that kind of stuff, as well as botanicals. Whereas a dog, you're looking at a species appropriate diet, you know, so you're tailoring it that way. But other than that, the communication and the healing pathway, I find is pretty much the same. They've just got such gorgeous hearts. And the the unconditional love is universal from all animal species. Yeah, Yeah. that's my experience. Oh, lovely. So if you if you can work remotely with a photograph, presumably wherever people are, they can get in touch with you and ask for your healing, can't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I've got animal clients in Australia, even though I'm in Ireland. I'm working on a dog now in the States. I'm going to be helping a doggy um, who's, yeah, their guardian passed away recently. So another grief one, which I'm really happy to help uh, help those ones. So, yeah, I can work. What I do is when I work from the photographs, I get the downloads and then I post the botanicals to wherever the people are. And then if we need to follow that up with a video call, depending on which type of botanicals the animals select, you know, because some need more guidance than others. But yeah, I can help anyone. (laughs) Incredible, incredible. Because obviously, usually we outlive our dogs, but when our dogs outlive us, is it when they have a problem with grief? I'm thinking of this as we're going along, but if they have a problem with grief, does it have any relationship to how the death was handled? Like if they got to, I don't know, for example, see the body or if they got to sniff the body or if they, is it to do with that or is it to do with the nature of the dog or is it to do with the situation, the, ha- the home they're in with, they're in afterwards? What What causes them a problem or helps them? Yeah. So I think, you know, you have, you have extreme traumatic situations where I've, you know, I've had dogs that have been 
stuck with dead bodies for a while because the person died and wasn't discovered yeah or died under very tragic circumstances and everything right so so if when you have that kind of level of grief and trauma it's going to be a much much deeper process that I need to help and support that animal with Mm. okay so that's kind of the the, the worst really Um, and then you have the animals where they have seen the, the, the body in a healthy way so people have been around either their animal friend has passed or their human companion has passed and they've seen you know just like a wake or you know they see the body they get to it's really really important to let them have that time time alone with the body um but they'll still have a natural grief that i want to support them with and then you have the kind of grief almost like um obviously there's the grief where they don't get to see the body but and that is treated in a similar way but i also want to talk about the silent grief the unrecognized grief which i believe happens all animals when they're taken away from their mom hmm. All right. So we we have puppies and X amount of weeks old. Sometimes they're taken quite early. Sometimes they're given a little bit longer and they they're taken away from their mom. And depending on the individual dog, they'll respond to that in different ways. So when I use the Chinese medicine, I bring in um, different element types. So um, there's water, earth, metal, wood and fire. And in the metal type of a, of a dog, for example, one of their key emotions that they're going to be challenged with throughout their lifetime is the emotion of grief. Mm. So if you have a metal dog and you take him away from mom and then you put him into the home, he's kind of like, well, hang on a second. Where did that touch go? Where did that smell go? Where did the milk go? What on earth is going on here? And they can take it much, much deeper into their heart than, say, a wood dog, because the wood dogs are all about, you know, adventure and getting on with things. So they're more able to cope, Hmm. not to say that they don't have their own level of grief. But you got to watch out for these different things in their animals, kind of character types. Hmm. So um like uh you 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 might find then that they're the kind of animals that could be prone to more kind of developing skin tumors or you know issues because that's really metal type as well or lung problems so the le- the gr- the way you approach grief i do it in a very tailored way i look at each individual story um and it depends it'll tailor how long and how deep i go and what ways I'll use. Does that make sense? Yes. Explain yes. that well. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating, Lisa. It's really, really interesting. Wow. It's I, I'm learning so much today. It's it's just I'm I'm sitting like, wow. <laughs> um <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, it, it's really I mean, we we could go on all day. I mean, is there anything else that you would like to say? Um yeah, I would like to say something. Yeah. Um I think what I want if I could share anything with animal guardians and dog guardians, um, it's like I want people to realize that if they truly want their animal friends to heal and thrive in this world, it's about recognizing the depth of consciousness that exists in the animal nation. Um, when you speak to your dog, as you do when you speak to another person, they understand every single word you say. I beg people not to forget that moving forward. 
So if you keep your animal friend informed of what's going on, and even if you're having a bad time and you say to your animal friend, like your doggy friend, they're cuddling you on the couch and they're comforting you and supporting you. And you might be having some tears or whatever's going on. We've got a lot going on in the human realm. Haven't we? Yeah. It's just to say to the doggy, you know, I appreciate your support, but I don't want you to take on my stuff. I'm an, I'm a responsible adult and I will deal with this. And I appreciate you, you, know, you comforting me. And they just go, okay, that's how easy it is not to let this transference happen. So I want to empower people with that simple truth that they absolutely understand. And also it's about, you know, recognizing that because animals have a very deep level of consciousness, that if we do have to rehome them or we do have to neuter them or we do have to bring them in for surgery, it's like talk to them and give them a countdown and explain mm. what is happening and why it's happening, even down to the level of, OK, you're going to go to the vets in a week's time. We're going to you know, spay you. Well, actually, before you even go there, does the animal want to be spayed? Does the you know, like I'm not saying that we let loads of new puppies out. And, no, there's too many puppies, but it's actually about having the animal be part of big decision making processes. Okay, so you might need to bring in an animal communicator for something like that and negotiate with the animal. Maybe they want one set of puppies. You know, maybe they really don't want puppies and they're fine. So it's about recognizing that we can warn them, have conversations with them, give them countdowns, but also go deep then with an animal communicator for deeper, deeper topics. So the next time you're going to leave the house or go on holidays, just say to them, 14 nights. I'll be gone for 14 sleeps. Yes. <laughs> and then I'll be back. And they'll just, just talk to them. Tell them you're going to be in the dog kennel, such and such, especially if they come from a rescue background and they end up in a kennel. They're kind of going, well, is this like, you know, is this it again? You know, so no, I'm going on holidays. Yeah. Talk. Have well, I been be your yeah. own animal communicator? <laughs> yeah, like have I been abandoned again? You know, yeah. this this makes sense though because there was a there was a study, wasn't there, recently that dogs can tell the difference between if you meant to do something and if it was an accidental. You know, if you you are mean or if you you it was accidental. And I think the study did food. The the person was going to give them food, and then. Sometimes they dropped, I think there was a glass plate between them and sometimes they dropped the food and kind of went, okay, I'm oh, sorry, I dropped it. Or sometimes the, the, like they deliberately didn't give it through the glass and the dog could tell whether it was a deliberate, how they expressed that was they approached the person. If it was an accidental drop, the dog still kind of approached with hope going, oh, are you going to give me something? You know, I know you dropped it that time, but you might pick it up and give it to me. If it was a deliberate, no, I'm not going to give it to you. The dog didn't approach. And so they do understand our intentions and our our emotions on an amazing level, don't they? Definitely. Oh, yeah, they're completely dialed in. Yeah. Oh, so, um, so that's why it's really, it's just important to be aware of that, of how deep their consciousness runs, yeah. you know? Yeah. And how much they truly understand. Because, you know, go back to the earthquakes and the dogs that can tell the seizures. I mean, it's just there. That's how in tune they are. It's undeniable. Yeah. Um, so it's it's about respecting and honoring that um, and including them in the conversations. Like, you know, we're going to go off topic, but I in terms of species. But I was at a horse show yesterday 
and I stumbled upon this magnificent Irish uh, hunting horse and the he was being sold. Yeah. And the, the new rider from the States was sitting on top of the horse. She'd obviously come to the horse show in Ireland to pick up a horse and bring home. And the way they were talking about the horse with the Irish farmers that were selling it and the horse just standing there. And my heart just broke because I knew that horse was understood what they were talking about that the horse is going to be sold, going to get on a plane, go to the States. They've no idea where the horse is really going to end up, in what condition. But the horse is just standing there, just kind of going, you know, what what can they do? And so for me, it's just being aware that they know what you're saying around them. You know, so even when they're in the vets and they're getting a diagnosis, they're listening, you know, they know. So just to be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's so weird that we're talking about this today. And it, as you say, this is off topic, but it's it's in my heart today. We our garden backs onto a, a beef farm. Okay, you know, there's cows, there's cattle, and they're gorgeous. I love them. I absolutely love them. Um, I'm vegetarian. I don't eat cows. Eat eat beef. I don't eat eat fish or meat or anything. Anyway, there are cows in the in the field. And I think yesterday they took the ca- the calves away. And last night when I took the dog out for the for her last wee of the day, the cows. Oh, Lisa, it was heartbreaking. The the crying. I mean, they were mooing, but the crying, the pain in their moos. Honestly, I I, I honestly stood there and thought, I cannot be part of this system any system that causes this much pain and you know i i seriously i'm thinking today i'm gonna have to go vegan because i i I have to do you know what i mean that the pain honestly the pain was palpable in in Mm. these cries from the cow and and you could there was emotion there definitely definitely and how can you explain to them where the baby's gone and what's my goodness what's happened to the baby and it was just Mm. You know, I wasn't going to even say that, but the, the subjects we've gone on to, it's um, we we don't give them a fair, you know, a fair life, do we? Yeah, no, you're you're right. Like it's you, there's so many videos on YouTube of the female cows chasing where the babies are gone on on the truck. Um, so I obviously I you know I've, I'm in a farming environment here as well, and I see the sheep, you know, the little lambs yeah. being born every year. So it's like, for me, it's, you know, okay, there's, there's, there's two opposite sides. There's, there's the animals that are neutered when they might have wanted to reproduce, even just one litter or whatever. And then you've got the animals that are forced to reproduce every year and go to this insane level of grief for the dairy industry, for the, for the lambs, all that kind of stuff. And I'm vegan as, you know, like I started veggie and I turned vegan because I realized that, um, you know, it's very, very, it's just so, so harsh. Mm. Um, what happens, those those calves and and the mothers, and then they're, they're put on it every year. Um, and then, <clears throat> I don't know, it's it's like, it's really, really something to, for people to consider. Yes. You know? yeah. um, and and also what are, the, the milk then, obviously the calves are taken away because the, they, they want the milk for the dairy industry. But you're drinking that that grief. Yes. that's the way I see it you know yeah, yeah. Um, so we gotta wake up yeah yeah <laughs> I mean that, there are ways my daughter went to I'm sorry to anybody who's tuned in to talk about dogs 
yeah. my, my daughter went to a, um jenny went to a, a an organic farm where they i know not all organic organic farms do this but they had calf at calf at foot where they do take some of the milk but the calf gets a share of the milk and so the cow's happier and the i assume the cow's happier and the calf's happier happier and that to me makes so much sense i will pay more for the milk you know if if the animals get in a better life certainly something that i'm going to look into <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think with the, with the, that's the perfect, that's the perfect way to do it. Yeah. You know, but then the animals still have a purpose because on an, on a, like, on a, the way they evolved, they obviously evolved to work with people. Okay. Nothing happened by accident. So the consciousness of the cows chose to become farm animals domesticated. Um, and it's about meeting them halfway. And yeah. I do feel that there's going to, there is such a shift. I mean, when you walk into supermarkets, there's now a wall of vegan milks. Yeah. Yeah. So the dairy industry is under threat. And, and I'm sure if they started doing things like that, then the people would start drinking milk again. Yes. <laughs> And yeah. they may be forced to, you know, money Absol- is yeah. not making tick. <laughs> yeah. We need to make it aspirational, don't we? We need to have Instagram, you know, people Instagram. This is the milk I use and this is how yeah. kind it is and this is how they treat it. The- this is what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, it's, we, we've gone way off topic, but I don't care. <laughs> it was it was interesting. You know? um, so now I know we talked about a lot of things, but is there still anything that you haven't had a chance to say or are, are you happy now? Oh, I'm happy. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's been great, Lisa. Where can people find out more about you online? Oh, I'd love people to come visit me um, online. They can find me on Instagram or Facebook on Animal Healing Lisa Tully. That's the, they'll find me there. Or you can jump onto my website. It's animalhealing.ie. Isn't that intriguing? I'd love to be able to discern what our animals are thinking beyond the clues their body language gives us. Thanks to Lisa for sharing her insights with me. And you can find out more about her at her website, to which we have a link on dogcastradio.com. That's it for this time. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dogcastradio. That's all one word, dogcastradio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why do dogs run in circles? Because it's hard to run in squares.